Hello again. Welcome to a really special edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev. I've got Tony with me. We've relocated down to the training ground to meet Luton Town royalty now. Um, we've got the, well, the man who's filled just about every job, maybe apart from the team man, and you might even have done that. Mick Harford, thanks for giving us your time, Mick. We really appreciate it. No, any, any time. It's, uh, it's an honour to, uh, to speak to you guys, obviously. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to it. And it's an absolute pleasure to be talking to you as manager of the football club. Um, this management likes a bit easy, isn't it? Uh, not really. I was I was put in the role. Gary asked me to do it. Uh, it it's gone well, let's be honest. Uh, but uh, we 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 keep striving and keep working hard. And every day we 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 trying to uh, we're trying to make things better and just just keep it going, basically. Uh, and and for the fear of repeating myself. It's a case of I, I just put all the the credit and the emphasis on, onto the players because they they they've been brilliant. They come in every day to work hard, and it's testament to how hard they work as as why the club and and the team's been getting results. But the squad's so good that there must be some you know key decisions that have to be made now and again. And I you know I'm guessing for example you might have another one on Saturday with Collo back in the mix. Uh, you know then it must be a little bit more than just sort of putting things in the right places, sort of thing. Well, exactly, but you are you are aided by good staff, you know, Steve, uh, Innie, Kevin Deedon, uh and, and all the support staff. So we, we, I mean, I get really, really good support from them and uh, it's it's very, very helpful in making those tough decisions when you have to I, pick a team, pick the bench and, uh, and, and, and do those cri- uh, crucial decisions in, in all fairness. We'll come back to the present day uh, shortly because I really want to talk about the current run of form that the club's on, but let's just take you back a few years to when you first joined the club as a player. Uh, David Pleat signed you. quarter of a million pound, I think, the transfer fee was, which was a decent fee back then. So was you immediately under pressure to perform for the club? He knows a good player, Pleaty. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. you schooled him? No, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, D- David was... Uh, I was absolutely thrilled. I was at Birmingham. Uh, I'd had a, I'd before about previous three to four months, I had a really nasty accident, uh, in terms of a facial injury. And I wasn't really myself in all fairness. And, and Ron Saunders said that to me. Uh, and, and an offer came in from, from Luton and Luton were well renowned for, for, uh, for playing a certain way of football. And I, I remember I played at Luton for Newcastle. Uh, and I scored the winner actually for, for Newcastle at Luton. A couple of, de- couple of deflections here and there before it went in. Uh, so I, I knew about Luton. I knew the, I knew the, the, the way they played. I knew the way the manager was. And when I turned up, there were some ma- magnificent players in terms of, uh, Ricky Hill, Brian Steen, uh, Mitchell, Tim Breaker, Gary Parker, you know, just to name but a few. And obviously, I think the previous weeks had signed uh, Preci and, and, and Steve Foster, uh, and, and it was just, it just I think those signings and Peter and Nicholas galvanised the football club and give the club a bit of strength and, and momentum, and, and obviously the rest was history, and we had a we had a bit of a golden period, and uh, it was a good squad, and, and, and uh, in terms of spirit, camaraderie, not not dissimilar to what we've seen at the moment in terms of the camaraderie and the spirit amongst the players here. It, do, it does remind me a lot of when I when I was when I was first here. I think you remember that um, Newcastle game, don't you, Tony? You were yes, saying uh, I, I do. That that, that was um, it, it sticks in my memory, and I think I've spoken to Mick about it before. I remember you scoring that goal. I think it was about the only attack Newcastle had during the game, and 
why I also remember it is the following Saturday we had an FA Cup game at St James's Park and uh, they beat us 2-1 up there so they beat us three times that season which wasn't you know uh, easy to take but um, I, I remember I, I was so pleased when, when Mick signed for the club and you know because before um, the players that were signed that Mick's mentioned I, I remember that season we, we, were, we were heading for relegation we were certainties for relegation and all four of those players you know galvanised the club as, as Mick has said but I, I can, one memory I have of Mick as well, and I, I don't know if he'll remember this. Is I remember watching the soccer sixes, and I remember Mick oh, playing yeah. for Birmingham in that, and he looked absolutely brilliant in that. I remember when when I heard that we signed Mick, I thought I was so so pleased about it. You know, and I've, I've always felt Mick as a player. You know, you, you, you were renowned for you. You, you, you know, you, not shirking, putting the effort in, and being a tall striker, but you could play as well. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you made my day, you are. Yeah, hey, not a lot of people have said that about me, but no, you, uh, with, with respect uh, about you said you thought Luton would have got relegated. No one knows that. But what, what I found when I came here, it was, a, it was a, a team and a club full of international players. You know, you you got Mal Donaghy, Rick Hill, Brian Steen. Uh, I think Tim and Mitchell had been... Uh, had been Represent England at the, at the lesser level, so we we were coming into into what was a, what was a, what was a real real good football team. Whether they got relegated or not, I don't know. But uh, I think I think we helped galvanise everything. Uh, then then what happened then, in my opinion, was Fozzy, who who for me was was I one of the best players I ever played with. Not in terms of his ability or whatever. It's just just he's he's the way he was with as a captain. I mean, he galvanised the team, he brought everyone in, and, and we started getting clean sheets then. Mm. We're, we're looting with all the exciting players and that now that they'd maybe win 4 3 one week and, 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 and get beat 5 2 the next week. Absolutely exciting football. Uh, but, and, and Fozzie got that mentality in terms of, whoa, team, you're going nowhere, Mitchell, you're going nowhere, you're, you're staying here. And he, and he had probably one of the best players ever play for Luton, playing next from Mal Donaghy. Yeah. Uh, and, and he, and he, he just, he just galvanised everyone and we start winning games 1 0, 2 0, not conceding a lot of goals, but still playing the brand of football that you've got to play with Ricky, Brian, Gary Parker, em, Emika. Uh, David Prish, you've got to play that certain way and, and we carried on playing that as just Fozzie galvanised the back front and, and shut the back door really and of course all of these players uh, that you mentioned along with yourself was part of the greatest day in the club's history in April 1988 when we went on to win the Little Woods Cup you mentioned about attractive exciting football there was no more game more exciting than that one what, what were your memories of that day and the occasion around it well, I mean, there's an old cliche that they say about when you're playing a cup final, make sure you remember it because cause it passes you by so quickly. Uh, it was, in my opinion, a, a fantastic game of football. Uh, we started off very, very well. Unfortunately, I went off injured. I'm not sure what minute it was. Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, you look at the bench that came on, Mark Steen, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, Mark came on and, and Ashley came out, came on and, <clears throat> and made a massive contribution. Uh, absolutely brilliant. I mean, the ball from Ashley at the end was, was, was world class, you know, when, when Brian's finished off in the last minute. So it was a big, big team effort. And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, 
it was the start of something which which really shocked me in terms of the support, you know, because there was I don't know forty thousand fans there, and and I'm, I'm probably going to talk about other cup finals that's gone on and that, you know, and, and the, 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 that hit home to me how, how big a club we were and support we had and that, you know, and, and what kind of fans we had had, had behind us. I know it's difficult to sort of compare generations of footballers and things like that, but where do you think that that team that you played in in 88, how, how do you think it would fare in today's game? I think it would be in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, everyone asks me the same question uh, as you go along. Oh, Mick, you were robust, you this, you use your arms, you elbows. I said, yeah, well, I had to because I used to get beat up every Saturday and you had to look after yourself, you know, and it wasn't just me dishing it out. You, I mean, you, you know as well as me, there was always a couple of free hits from the centre-halves and we used to take it, so you had to look after yourself. I just think the likes of myself, Fozzie, Maldonaghy, Tim, Mitchell, Gary, uh, Brian, Hilly, uh, all, all those players would, would, because of their ability and the mentality, would be able to adapt to the modern game. Obviously, it's less physical. Uh, you, you look at the game now, That for me, that the... the the best rule change ever in football was the back pass rule. You know, we, we, you'd, you'd, you'd go to Liverpool and you go one nil down, and that was the end of the game. You know, you, you never saw the ball, so that that made a massive difference to to, uh, to football, in my opinion. And, uh, obviously, the pitches are a lot better, and I think the pitches nowadays would have suited the way the way we as a team and we as a club uh, played and wanted to play. So, so I think I think would have been would have been a good Premier League team. Whenever I speak to fans from sort of the generation around that time, it's just slightly before when I was a you know a heavy Luton fan like I am now. Everyone mentions to me how good Ricky Hill was as a footballer. How would you sort of describe him, having played alongside him for so long? Oh, Ricky! Ricky, firstly, he's a gentleman. He's 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 the loveliest man in the world, you know. And uh, he's he he was a top player, Ricky. Top top player. Could play numerous positions. When I first came, he played wide right and. He's six foot two, and he he, he he like glided down the wing, and he was probably what Pleaty used to say was he's the best cross of a ball on the run, and he had amazing ability, strength, power, and without a doubt was recognised by England and deserved that the caps he got. Uh, so now R- Ricky Ricky was up there, and and and, and in today's game, as you, the question you asked, I think Ricky would be would be a star in in, in the Premier League. Yeah, and when you think. Not only we had Ricky Hill in that side, we had David Priest as well. Another, yeah. another class player. Fantastic left foot. We just, you know, and then uh, Danny Wilson, who came in after, yeah, Danny, after yeah, Peter yeah, Nicholas. Danny, yeah. and, and, you, and you just think back, we, we, you, at the time, you don't really appreciate what you had. No, well, Priestie came in and Priestie was uh, came from Walsall, I think, in League One and that, you know, and... Uh, we had a great understanding, me and me and Precy, because when when he was in possession, you knew he'd always keep the ball. He was very similar to Kingsley, really, in, in that way. You know, very very clever on the ball, and 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 knew knew the hold on to possession. Uh, and I knew when David knocked that ball to the left, I knew he'd, he'd stand the ball up for me at the far post. So we had, we had a good understanding, and uh, he always delivered. Uh, and and um, he was brilliant, brilliant lad. Uh, God bless him, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, 
he, he played, I don't know, 500 games for Luton Town. I'm not sure, but I know he's up there and, uh, he's, he deserves all the accolades he gets. And, uh, he, he was, he was brilliant for me in terms of, uh, what, what we, the understanding we had. Lovely guy as well. Yeah, yeah. Lovely yeah. guy. You mentioned the similarities between that side and the current one. Uh, you made your England debut while she was at Luton, and of course, just recently, Colo's been called up to the Ireland squad, didn't unfortunately get on the pitch, but I'm sure he'll have benefited from the experience. What was it like for you representing your country? Well, it's like most players say nowadays. I mean, I, I, we, I'll never forget, we, we trained at Bisham Abbey. We met at uh, the Hilton Hotel, I think it was a Wickham, the, the, just off the M40. And you walk in, you walk in there your first day and you walk into the restaurant and the lads are having food and you, you walk in there and it's like, whoa, what am I doing here? Do I deserve to be You're looking like the Brian Robson, Glenn Oddles and Gary Lineker and Peter Beasley and they're, they're the best, best players in the country. So it makes you a bit nervous, a bit edgy, uh, in and around them. I mean, they're, they're, they've been together for years and everything now, but they were brilliant and, and, the, the best thing to do is to get out there and get onto the training ground and, and try and try and just be yourself, uh, try and show them that you're a good player. Uh, and, and it was it was a bit daunting. It was very daunting when you when you're walking into a group like that, you know. And they were, in my opinion, that they were real, real top players, you know. Uh, we think you you was certainly a match for all of those. That's, that is for <laughs> sure. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Obviously. Um, you know, we lost the cup final the following year uh, in in eighty nine. You scored, and unfortunately, we couldn't hold on to that one. But then you left for Derby, and I'm sure you know what question's going to come next. There was a famous goal at Kenilworth Road. Uh, where oh, we I meant it. Absolutely <laughs> meant that. Don't worry about that. That was totally meant. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed there. But there you go. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, I think. I think Derby were relegated at the time. They were. Yeah. yeah. Bottom of the table. I think, I think, I think we were relegated at the time. So I think they'll help. Come on. I think they'll help. I think they'll help Luton. You know how much I love Luton. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, so much so actually that you returned to the club after that uh, to um, carry on playing. Any memories of that second spell here? Of course, yeah. I got I got off to a great start. I think I scored two in the first game against Oldham, and yeah, I remember uh, that as well. yeah, yeah, scored 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 some important goals, uh, but we. We, we couldn't sustain it and, uh, we, we, we were relegated that season. That was in 91 before the Premier League started. Uh, so that was a, that was a, a kick in the teeth for, for the football club. Uh, so yeah, I do remember it. And, and I only stayed for the one season. And again, because of the relegation, they, they sold me to Chelsea. Uh, I didn't really want to go, to be honest with you. I wanted to stay and, and, and try and, try and get the club back to where they were. But, uh, I think they took the money and let me go. But I can tell that this club's very deep in your heart and you obviously came back sort of almost 10 years later as assistant to Joe uh, when we were in League Two, or what is now League Two. And um, well, you, the pair of you formed a fantastic squad of players. That was one of the more enjoyable seasons I can remember. Um, you know, so some of the games that we played, some of the places we went to, some of the football we played in that division yeah. was just fantastic. How, what was it like working firstly with Joe? I know you've worked with him a lot and also with that set of players. I owe a lot to Joe Kinnear. Joe Kinnear is a real true friend of mine. Uh, very, very good manager. Obviously, he's Premier League manager of the year once in, in one year. I'm not sure what year it was. And, and Joe, Joe, give me an opportunity when I, when I finished my career at Wimbledon, I, 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 I packed in. I was 38 when I, I tore my Achilles and he said, no, Mick, you, you go and do the under 23s. And so I did the under 23s for 
six to nine months at Wimbledon. Was coaching always part of the plan? I, I, I was, whilst whilst we were going on and I was at 35, 36, 37 years age, I, I went on the courses actually. Steve, who's just walked past us there, Steve Rutter got me through one of my badges, so uh, I got him to thank. And uh, it's amazing football, how, how the, the irony of it, we, we're now working together. So was it in my plan? Yeah, I wanted to be involved in football. Uh, I have a passion for football. Uh, and Joe gave me that opportunity and, and, I, and I, I will be forever grateful for him for doing that. And within, within the eight, nine months, he asked me to come along and work alongside the first team with, with Joe, uh, Terry Burton, uh, Wimbledon. And I absolutely loved it. Then Joe, unfortunately, got ill, uh, had, his, had his problems then. Uh, he he left the football club. Then they brought another manager, and Joe Joe's appointed manager of Luton. And uh, I was I had my fingers crossed. I was praying it out, and that I get the call. And he called me, and uh, as as you say, we we I think the club had just got relegated with Joe in the first season. About ten twelve games left. Uh, then we 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 tried to build a new team here, uh, and I, and I think we did well in terms of building a new team, bringing in the right type of player. And uh, I, I presume you identified a lot of those players as well. It's, it's a funny story because uh, Valois, John Louis Valois, was as you say, it was exciting football. You know, when 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 John turned up, he was he was something different, and there was a, and I'm not taking any credit for it, but we. We had a trial game down at Leighton Orient. We had two of the trialers, two, two of the French boys, and John Louis Valois. And he played. John played up front in the first half. And I, I said, to, I said to Joe, I said, Joe, stick him on the left wing, second half. And he 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 put him on the left wing, second half, and he put about four or five crosses in. And I went, you got to sign him. He said, you got to sign him. I said, just sign him. Imagine, imagine you got Griffith and Howard in there on the end of those crosses, backed up by Matty Taylor. I said you got to sign them, and fair play to Joe. We, he, he signed them, uh, and and the rest was history with John Louis. And he was part of that exciting season, you know, when it was us and Plymouth fighting each other out to, to get promoted, and we both got promoted. So, uh, but I think Plymouth I thought, won, the, won the title. Yeah. I thought one of the saddest things in that season, although it was a great season, was the injury to Carl Griffiths. He was on fire, wasn't he? he was yeah, yeah, scoring yeah. for fun. Yeah, yeah. Griff, Griff was the out and out goal scorer, and uh, Joe, Joe taught me a lesson. One day, I was on. We were on about. We we were playing someone, and, and I and I said, "Why don't we play that way?" And all that. He said to me, "He said who's going to score the goals?" And I went, "I said, yeah." But he said, "No, listen. Who's going to score the goals?" And we carried on, and Griff played. And I think Griff got out of that day. So uh, now Griff was a big miss to us, and all that. You know, mm-hmm. but again, as I said earlier, that that group. Again, that that same group we we put it together, and they're very similar here. You know, the big part of big part of being successful is having the spirit and the camaraderie and the togetherness. One of the things I notice uh, when you're here as a coach is, uh, and I'm sure you'll play it down, but players really improve under your coaching, or or, or, or whilst you're here. And one particular person, certainly that season, was Steve Howard. He came on leaps and bounds that that season. Um, what sort of impact? Did he make at the football club initially, and what did you have? What impact did you have on him? Well, I, 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 I never forget when I was. Uh, it was when Joe had asked me to come. It was in the summer, and so we were we were coming in pre-season to start. And I asked for all the tapes years ago. It was tapes. There wasn't no. It was all done on tapes. So I got all the videos, and I watched. I watched a few games, and what Steve used to do was. Because he was a very, very technical player, six foot two, 
you get the ball, lay it off, and he'd stay where he was. And all I said to him was, was look, get hold of it, lay it off, get in the box. I said, you'll score more goals in the box than you do outside. Because cause he, he, he was technically good enough to, to be a midfield player. And I think he thought he was a bit of a number 10. So all I said was, I said, get it off. And I said, as soon as you, as soon as you lay it off, get in the box. And, and that's all he did. He got, he started getting himself in the box, in the six yard box, and he started scoring from inside the six yard. A bit like Carl Griffiths, really, you know. Mm. All top strikers score the goals inside the box. And especially in the middle of the goals, and just stay in the middle of the goals, you know. So that's where the ball will come to you if you stay in the middle of the goals. He went from a player who looked like he was lacking confidence to almost the top scorer in the entire division that season. It was a fantastic turnaround. Uh, obviously, the York incident was, you know, infamous where he missed the penalty, wanted to take it again and, uh, and that kind of thing. But he certainly finished his time at Luton a much better player than the player that I think, came. I think that season he won the Golden Boot, didn't he? When we... I can't remember if he won it or a fellow at Shrewsbury. They were battling it yeah, out, sure weren't they? I'm sure it was um, too bad because he, he, he got a hat trick, didn't he? With a, I don't know whether it was the last game or a couple of games ago. I can't remember. You know who confirmed that, but he's not here today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, after uh, that period, that period kind of ended acrimoniously, to say the least, in the unfortunate circumstances that actually formed the supporters' trust with um, John Gurney coming in and that sort of thing. But you came back um, as assistant to Mike Newell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, bizarrely enough, when when it was a strange scenario, and I, we were devastated. I rang Joe. I said, well, "What's going on?" He went, "What?" He said, "Have you had a letter?" He went, "No." I said, "I've just had a letter saying we've been sacked." A letter, not even a yeah, phone call. A letter saying we've been sacked from from their group and all that. And, and he said, "No." I said, "Well," I said, "You need to go down to the post office." So Joe went down to the post office, got got his letter, and he rang me back and uh, said, "What's going on?" He went, oh, "I have no idea." So anyway, we we got sacked by a letter. Uh, then it was it was a case of. I'd, I'd went into the football club to sort whatever I had to sort out, and and I'm, honestly, I swear to God, they offered they offered the job to Joe two or three times. They offered the job to me two or three times, and we just said, not while you're in control, no chance uh, that we would that we would ever ever get involved in all that, you know. And they, they give it they give it to they give it to Mike. Mike took the job under difficult circumstances, and he did a brilliant job, absolutely first class job, fair play to him. Uh, difficult to manage players when the club's in administration and they're not getting paid. So he kept the spirits high along with Brian. Brian was there, and I, I came in. I came in when when Bill had then taken over the club. Bill Tomlins had taken over the club. I came in then, so I, I wouldn't work with that with Gurney. Uh, so and and it was really really successful. And then Joe got a job at Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Uh, got a job in Nottingham Forest, and uh, he asked me. He asked me a few times. And the first time I refused, I refused and I wanted to stay uh, with the football club. Uh, then he, he came again, came knocking the game and it was, it was something, something I did and uh, it, was, it was a strange scenario, uh, leaving, leaving Luton again. Uh, and, and, and strangely enough, where after, after about, about three months, I actually was caretaker manager not in the forest. And, uh, Funny story when I when I when I was at Forest when Joe Joe resigned and uh, he left and they asked me to take over and I was sat in I was sat at a desk big desk like this and uh, 
sat in the chair in the manager's office and, and the lady Carol who'd worked at the football club for years uh, I, I was I was sat at the desk and I thought this is strange on my own so I, I ran through I said Carol come through we'll have a cup of tea so she brought in we had a cup of tea and I said well, I said, is this where Brian Clough used to sit she went yeah she did Mick I said well let me tell you now I'm really really honoured to sat here and, and it was really really it was bizarre. It was a bizarre scenario. Like me sat at Brian, in Brian Clough's chair at his desk where he'd sat, you know, and such a great manager, such a big, big football club. And it was an honour, absolute honour to, and a privilege to, to actually to, to, to manage the club for a short period. At any of this stage, Mick, had managing Luton crossed your mind? Was it a dream of yours? Was it an ambition? Did you think, you know, when it, when the time's right, I want to manage, manage Luton Town? It's a long time ago to think back, but uh, uh, I only ask because obviously yeah. a couple of years later that opportunity did arise. And... Yeah, it did, but it may not. I, I just I love I love football. I, I love I love working for Joe. Absolutely, I cherish the days working with Joe. He was a good manager. Joe, he he he, he managed the place very well, and he and he, he let me just get on with the coaching and all that, you know. And it was it was a, it gave me freedom. In terms of coaching and that, you know, so did it cross my mind? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. No, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was just looking, looking to be a first team coach, assistant manager, and all that, you know. And as the progress goes on, you know, you normally as you get a bit older and a bit wiser, and you, you learn the ropes. You, you maybe start to start thinking about, um, I could be a manager, couldn't be a manager, but it was something I wasn't really desperate to get into, to be honest with you. But the club did come calling early in 2008. Obviously, we were in all sorts of trouble at the time um, in administration, you know, close to going out of business. Yeah. Kevin Blackwell had just been sacked by the receiver and uh, you took over. I mean, hide into nothing, really, that first half season that you was that you was in charge of, but um, fell down from League One into League Two. And then, well, we were hit with the mother of all punishments, unfairly cruel. And, you know, they've been they've been well covered. But how difficult was it to manage the club in that period? Yeah. Uh. Really, really, really difficult uh, in terms of managing the club. Uh, I was actually on a on a on an applied management course at the at Warwick University through the LMA when I got the news that we'd been deducted thirty points, and I, and I thought, how ironic that you're on a management course and you get mm. done thirty points. So I think I had about thirty pints that night. <laughs> <laughs> how, how difficult was it to attract players into the club at that time? Well, that that was a scenario. That was a, that was no we That's that's the first thing you think of. Are we going to get players here in terms of uh, where we are? Thirty point deduction. What they're coming into. But for me, for me, the size of the club, uh, the stature that the club holds in 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 the football world, it, players wanted to come and play. You know, we we got Tommy Craddock. We got. George Pilkington, we got Chris Martin, Mickey Spillane, uh, to, to think, and, and a few more. I mean, the names passed me by, but I think, I think, and they they came in had a brilliant contribution to the season. But it was just an impossible job, you know. To, at thirty points, I thought I thought we could do it. I really did. And there was some stages in the season where I thought oh, we got a chance here, but then you get one defeat and it just sets you back massively. Uh, so now that to to attack players, it was difficult. Uh, but I, I mean, they nearly made themselves heroes uh, in terms of trying to get out of it. But it was just a just a just a job too far, you know. 
Uh, that spelling charge was actually your first sort of um, time working under 2020. Now seems like a pretty decent time to sort of reflect on what they've done for the club and, and, and how great they've been as as owners, as custodians, not just to the football club, but the town of Luton as a whole. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. They've, they've, they've been very patient. I mean, spending five years in, 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 in the National League after getting relegated. Uh, still, still keeping the academy going. Still doing that. Still, still supporting the managers who came in. I thought they made a an outstanding appointment in John Still. Uh, in terms of when when it come to the point where I think fans were getting frustrated of, of still being in that league, and John did a great job and, and got the club back to where we all believe it should be in the football league. Uh, John left for certain reasons, I don't know. Then then they made another good appointment, i.e. with Nathan, had a vision and, and some clarity to take the club forward. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, you've got to give them an enormous pat on the back and obviously a bigger pat on the back for what they've achieved, i.e. in terms of the the planning application for Power Court and Newlands Park. So it's uh, the club's, club's in a good place. Uh, and the supporters who... Who, uh, in my opinion, come from a Sunderland fan, are probably the best in the country in terms of the way they get behind the team, the way they got behind the club in 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 times which has been very dark and dingy. And uh, and my 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 words are: if you want to be a Luton fan, you mean you're going to expect a roller coaster ride, and uh, it's this is what it's been for 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 fans, you know, down the years. But it's it's not half exciting. Oh, good, yeah. It is so exciting. I and mean, what they've done, as you said, Mick, with the, the playing applications and that, you just look around here at the training facilities mm. now. Yeah. You know, compared to what was there at Ely Way. And even yeah. before then, I can remember when the, when the place used to train at the rugby club. And It's night and day. It's, yeah. it's night and day what, what we're seeing. You know, the, the, the club have in the 2020 have invested in the training ground, lots of money, new pitches. You know what I mean? As, as I said earlier, they kept the academy going. They could have just scrapped the academy and and and, and let it go away. But the, the invested and the future of the club is is in a real sound position, you know, and, it, and it's in it's in safe hands. Great time to be a Luton fan. Absolutely. Uh, how difficult was it to manage the club in non-league, Mick? I didn't have it very long. <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't very long, no. Can I? I just say, looking back on that time, Mick. Um, I always felt that, to a certain extent, because of the situation, you're working with your hands behind your back, you know, tight behind your back. And um, I feel, as a Luton fan, um, I, I should apologise to you for, no, for what happened, no. because no, um, I wasn't one of the ones that was there no. at that, that particular game. But for what you've done for the club in the past I, I, I thought that was out of order you know for, if it wasn't working or whatever there's lots of reasons for you know clubs parting with managers but I, I just think that that was out of order no, uh, going back to 2020 they made a lot of very good decisions and I've got to be honest with you when, when they decided to let me go it was the right decision for the football club it wasn't about Mick Harford or, or it was about for the football club for the good of the football club they needed a manager who knew the league who knew, the, who knew that to try and get them back into the football league and albeit it took them a little bit longer than thought it would and, and eventually got to John who, who is a legend at this football club in my eyes 
Then she got to John and got us part of the league. But I'll say it again that they made the right decision to 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 let me go because uh, it, it was it was I mean, it was telling you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, it, it, and there's nothing. It, it, it's great to see you back here and, and, and what's happening at the moment. I think it's fantastic. No, it's it's, it's like it's it's my my uh, career is a is a roller coaster as well. Anyway, and I'm I'm sort of head of recruitment, chief scout, whatever you call it, and the next thing you're the manager. You know, totally <laughs> unexpected. Nathan's up sticks and gone and 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 took off. He took most of his staff and. Uh, so it was, it was a, it was something which I was totally wasn't expecting. Uh, we've heard a, a fair bit of, um, how some of the senior players have really stepped up to the mark and look like Alan Sheehan and, and, uh, Maka. How, you know, how important has that been? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're important people in this football club, you know, that she, she's, she's the club captain, uh, Good sounding boards, the, the, the experienced players. They, 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 amongst some other players, have a, have a very strong, uh, strong dressing room. Uh, the police it themselves, so discipline's very good, and everyone steps out of line. That they, they are on top of it. Not just those two, the majority of the squad. So, so yeah, they, they, are, they have a, they have a daily in, in, input into into the into the uh, into the football club. Yeah, it started under Nathan uh, Mick, but we're currently on a twenty-six game unbeaten run I mean it's just it's crazy just to say it let alone having enjoyed it but uh, obviously we went 27 in the conference and we can equal that on Saturday is that something that you'll be saying to the players before the game well I'd, I'd like to break that record or is it equal it or break equal it, it I'd like to, I'd like to equal that record but like I've said before and uh, without repeating myself all, all I don't I don't I don't know how many wins we need no, I don't think anyone does. I don't know how many points we need, how many wins, how many draws. All, all I concentrate is on the next game. I, I couldn't tell you. I could have a guess, but I couldn't really tell you how many points the teams are behind us. Cause I don't really look at the tables. All I concentrate is on Bristol Rovers and trying to win the next game. And if we look after ourselves, we look after our own, we, we'll be all right. And, and if we perform to the levels we can't perform at, and if we can hit the levels that we played against Doncaster last, last weekend, then, we will definitely be in the shake-up. How helpful was it having Matty Blair do your team talk? Well, I did say to the players, I said, look, and I never, I never, I never singled Matty out. I said, look, that lot in there, I think they're the best team in the league. I said, but with respect, let's give them the respect. I respect what they say. And I just said, let's go and show them where the best team in the league is. And, and on that performance, we look like the best team in the league. We've actually shown two teams that we might well be the best team in this league under your charge, Mick, because the first half against Portsmouth, Luton played some football from, well, probably the best football since you was involved as a player, actually. It was scintillating, especially in those conditions as well. What was it like just watching that team that, you know, you'd sent out onto the field? No, they, they were, they were, they were brilliant and, uh, I mean, the, the only downside of it was the game should have been over. It should have been out the side. Uh, some of the football was scintillating. It was excellent. The movement, the passing, the chances we created uh, as as a team, I thought we were excellent. Uh, and and what 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 they did, they they changed shape second half. And to be fair to them, they nearly got back in the game, and and the game could have gone either way. And and the biggest part of me was how, how the lads like showed that the mentality to, to, to come to overcome that and in the second half it was a bit it was a bit tight, got a bit jittery and 
we 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 got over it with a good mentality and, and got through at the end. Where I mean, he, he, it took a lot out of them in the first half in terms of the way they played, the possession, now the times, the times they got in, and maybe got a little bit frustrated that the game wasn't over themselves. And we got over the line in that game through one of your signings, George Moncur. He seems to have a character that most of the players that come in uh, have. Is that something that you really focus on in your position as chief scout, the actual character as much as the player's ability? Well, that's the first thing we, we look at, you know. Obviously, we look at the uh, the personality. Uh, will, he, will, he, will he fit into the to the group? Obviously, there's other facets of, of, their, of their personality that you look for and, and, and facets of their... The, uh, obviously, physicality, technic- technical ability, and yeah, George, George Cummins, he made a massive impact. Uh, he's a great kid. He's lively around the place. Uh, I believe, I honestly believe, he's got a massive future here in the terms of the way we want to play uh, with his ability. Uh, he's a little bit frustrated at the moment, but he'll play his part towards the end of the season in terms of getting minutes under his belt. Uh, yeah, so so overall, George, George was a George has done great for us and uh, we, we believe he's got a big future here. I certainly hope so. I really enjoy watching him and those three kicks that he scores, we can keep on doing them every week. Yeah. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, seven games to go then, Mick. Um, nobody holds you responsible for uh, you know what happened with relegation and anything like that, but I've heard you say in the media conferences before that you hold yourself responsible. So what would it mean to be the man to take us back to the championship, assuming that, you know, touch wood, everything, nothing goes wrong and, and you are the man to do it? Uh, well, I, I was, the, I was at the helm at the time. I was, I was the manager, as you, whatever you want to call it, it was under my watch. So you do feel a little, some kind of responsibility towards it. Uh, what would it mean to, to achieve what we want to achieve? It would have been probably the, the greatest day in my career. Yeah. In terms of however my whole career will be, it will be something special. Uh, but I, I just want success not for me I want success firstly for 2020 the players and and lastly for those magnificent fans you know that's what that's what I'd like to see us achieve this season for those reasons alone and you mentioned us fans there and, and I know one of the things I really like about you actually among many things is that you always make sure that the focus is on the players but after each game you get the focus quite rightly so you know when you walk around thousands and thousands sing one Mickey Harford you know how good does that make you feel? Well it's it's brilliant you know, and, and honestly doing this interview it brings you to the eye and all that you know, I get quite emotional but but I keep saying but it's it's the players who go there the ones who put a shift in they're the ones who work the socks off uh, but no it's 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 brilliant and I, and I, I can only say in this podcast it's it's a, I really appreciate it and I'd just like to thank them for it you know but it's like I said on record that they should be singing the players names not mine but as a player as a manager um, and chief recruiting officer <laughs> um, you know coach you, you, you are a legend at our club, Mick, and uh, I know uh, all supporters are well, great for the time there. and effort. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to drink his tea. I've tasted it. Trust me, you don't want to drink that. Don't, you know. If you think that much of me, go and get the I'll wait till you finish. Mick, it's been great to um, do this podcast. Uh, I just want to finish it by, I know you're a Sunderland boy, but, you know, 
all Luton fans think you're one of us. Just what does this football club mean to you now, having served it for, through a number of roles for 35 years and more now? You know, you're, you're ingrained in our history and I'm guessing we've got a really special place in your heart. Uh, 100%. I mean, I, I have a passion for the football club. I have a passion for the, for the fans. Uh, I have a great relationship with the fans. Uh, my connection is, is very, very well cemented now in, in Luton as a, as a ex-player, ex-manager, manager at the moment in terms of working for the football club. But the biggest thing is my, my son was born in Luton. So, the, I mean, and, and, uh, that, that's, that, that keeps the connection even closer and all that. And, I, and I'm proud to say my son was born in Luton, uh, coming from Sunderland. So, so no, it's, uh, it's, a. Uh, when when Gary asked me to 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 do this role, uh, I mean it was an absolute honour and, and it's an absolute privilege, and I, I and I just want to get the job over and done with, and uh, for for the fans really, and 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 you, well you know what what I want it done for, but no, it's it's a special club, it's a special place. I've had some absolutely probably the best times of my career. Uh, I made my England debut whilst I was a Luton Town player, so that's that's that that was the height of my career. So, yeah, it holds a massive, massive place in my heart and in my life, basically. And you're actually a special, special person to this football club, Mick. So, you know, on behalf of myself and Tony and every Luton fan that's out there, thank you for all the fantastic contribution you've given this club so far. Very best of luck over the next six weeks. We've absolute confidence that you and the boys will get over the line, get us into the championship. And we look forward to, well, the party and everything that follows it. We'll have another podcast, yeah. And, uh, if, if that happens I promise you we'll have another podcast yeah. well I might even make you two cups of tea <laughs> you're a top man thanks yeah, a lot thank mate you.